This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. About 35% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 have moderate to complete erectile dysfunction, and about 15% of men aged 70 have complete erectile dysfunction. And it's estimated that about 50 to 70% of these cases are due to cardiovascular disease. Until recently, only urologists were interested in patients with erectile dysfunction. Now with the knowledge of the relationship between erectile dysfunction and cardiovascular disease, cardiologists are taking an interest in these patients as well. Today we're joined by a preventive cardiologist, Dr. Stephen Kopetsky. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Daryl. Well, let's talk a little bit about erectile dysfunction and coronary artery disease. Are the risk factors similar in these two conditions? You know, Daryl, if you look at it, the risk factors are really superimposable. Uh, the, uh, the diabetes, weight, overweight, uh, not exercising, eating the wrong foods, have high blood pressure, et cetera, they really are exactly the same. You know, as I was reading about this topic, um, I noticed that for erectile dysfunction, it says it often starts with endothelial dysfunction, and I recall that as part of atherosclerosis as well. Right. There is a saying in the uh, kind of the cardiology, urology world that ED equals ED equals ED. Erectile dysfunction equals endothelial dysfunction equals early death. The reason for that is that uh, the same, same thing that dilates our coronary arteries is the same things that dilate our penile arteries for an erection, which is the endothelial function, the lining of the, of the arteries. So does that imply atherosclerosis of the penile arteries, or I believe, if I remember my anatomy, they, came off, they come off of the iliac. Does that imply more proximal disease or both? Yeah, it's interesting. If you do a, a penile arteriogram, like we do coronary arteriograms all the time, and we see coronary artery disease, you don't see penile atherosclerosis. So it really is an endothelial dysfunction rather than a hard fixed, you know, hardening of the arteries type picture. Okay. Another part of the study I was reading indicated that erectile dysfunction has been called the canary in the coal mine. Explain that. Yes, exactly. In that if you look at uh, other uh, atherosclerotic uh, problems like triple uh, A, abdominal aortic aneurysm, cerebral vascular disease, there's not really a temporal relationship between when that occurs and coronary disease occurs. However, a couple of studies have shown that when you develop erectile dysfunction, uh, does seem to play a role, meaning if you're, say, you're 48 years old, develop some erectile dysfunction that's pretty significant, that uh, they did a study and actually saw men that went into the emergency room for an acute coronary syndrome had ED occur about three years before. So that's why it's called the canary in the coal mine. It seems to be a relationship temporally. ED comes first, coronary disease later. Okay. And that would explain some of the patients that I see will have known coronary disease but may not have all that much cerebrovascular disease, or at least that we can detect, but it's very likely they may have some uh, early uh, erectile dysfunction. and That might be a, a, a sign that we need to look for. That's exactly right. And we actually have a relationship in our preventive cardiology clinic with the erectile dysfunction clinic here at Mayo. So if a man comes for ED evaluation who is under age 50, 
certainly under uh, 55 or so, then they send, a, send them over to us and we do an evaluation of their risk factors, uh, maybe do a stress test, which we found some people with pretty much asymptomatic severe coronary disease that need some intervention, either, but certainly they all need lifestyle change to reduce their risk factors. So should we be fairly concerned when we see an unusually young man with erectile dysfunction versus somebody yeah. maybe in their 60s or 70s? That's a good question because everybody, when you're 70 years old, you have some erectile dysfunction, people say, well, that's to be expected. But even a 70-year-old man, you still have about a 20 or 30% higher chance of having coronary disease if you have erectile dysfunction. However, if you're in your 40s, so your fifth decade of life, if you have ED, that's significant ED, your chance of having coronary disease is 50 times greater than an age, uh, in, you know, obviously gender-matched uh, person on the street. Mm -hmm. So we tell our, uh, our urologists, and our urologists tell us, and we tell all the family practitioners, the internists, that when someone comes in you and starts talking about ED, you know, it's a teachable moment to say, listen, we need to work on this, but we also need to work on your risk factors because there's a big connection to coronary disease, and that's what's going to get you. Mm -hmm. So let's say we find a patient, relatively young, in their late 40s, early 50s, who comes to us with the concern of erectile dysfunction. How far should we go to look for coronary disease? What, what, what should we do next? Yeah, good question. First, rule out the ones that may be secondary to something else. Say you've had some prostate surgery or some trauma, motorcycle accident, whatever. Those don't really, uh, those aren't <laughs> in that ballpark. Or they just started some antihypertensive medications that affected them. That's different. But the ones that come in and say, I don't really don't have any of those things, and this is showing up, then ask them how severe it is. There's some, uh, you know, some questionnaires we can give them. The, uh, some, they're standardized on how severe the erectile dysfunction is. But the younger the man and the more severe the erectile dysfunction, the greater the risk for significant coronary disease. So what we usually do is uh, try to get them to the preventive cardiologist, at least that's our model here at Mayo. We talk to the patient, we do a, a survey for their symptoms, you know, do they have any chest pain, angina, uh, shortness of breath with exertion. Uh, maybe do a stress test if there's something that, that is uh, suspicious. Uh, ask about family history, you know, these things do seem to run in families, early atherosclerosis, early coronary disease. And then at the very least, we'll uh, start them on risk factor modification, which usually is a big dose of lifestyle, eating differently, uh, people with uh, men with larger abdominal uh, fat, uh, the testosterone is aromatized, it's broken down, so you have less testosterone levels and more problems with erectile function. So we talk to him about that. And a lot of times, once a man understands, hey, this is going to help my erectile function, he, he, I think, is a little more likely to say, okay, I'll try to do something about this. Are there some tests that we can do that are more sensitive in picking up early coronary disease. Uh, I, I've, you know, I've had some patients who have known coronary disease and have negative treadmills. Mm -hmm. Do we need, should we go farther than that or is that adequate? Yeah, I, I think the first off is the standard risk profile. Mm -hmm. You know, ask about diabetes, do a lipid uh, evaluation, do a blood pressure check, maybe you know, four or five or six blood pressures like we do here on average. Do their height and weight and ask them how active they are physically, things like that. That's very helpful. The other thing that we sometimes do is uh, we can check endothelial function. We have certain non-invasive ways of doing that, um, and it's usually with a brachial artery uh, function in your arm where you mm -hmm. occlude, uh, occlude one arm 
look at the hyperemic response or means increase in blood flow after you uh, lower the occlusion. And you should have a robust increase in the blood flow down that arm compared to the other one that you don't occlude. If it's not there, then you say, wow, there is endothelial dysfunction here. And that's just a tip-off because it's early. It's very early in the process. Other times, people will uh, have shown that uh, coronary calcification tends to correlate some with erectile function or dysfunction, uh, just like it correlates with coronary artery disease. That's early, but not as early as the endothelial dysfunction. Okay. So let's say we have a patient, and we decided to manage their risk factors, um, lower their blood pressure, get them exercising, get their weight down, uh, improve their blood sugar, probably start a statin. Do these techniques improve erectile function, or do they stay stable? What, what happens? Yeah, it's a very good question. In fact, one of our fellows, one of our preventive cardiology fellows, asked that question a few years ago, and so we did a meta-analysis and found that if you start to change your lifestyle and for the better, you know, start uh, losing weight, being a little more active, eating better, maybe take a, something for cholesterol, take something for blood pressure, it helps your erectile function, and a couple of years later, it lowers your risk of heart attacks and heart cardiac death. And he published that, I think, in the Archives of Internal Medicine a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was equivalent to about 25 milligrams of sildenafil in terms of improving your erectile function. Mm -hmm. Plus, it lowered your risk for heart attack. Okay. Now, if we have a patient who also has hypertension and we start an antihypertensive medication, that theoretically, I would think, could worsen their erectile function. Is that, is that the case? That, that is true. You have to be careful with that. And we always ask, you know, as I'm sure you do, when you start a man on, uh, on antihypertensive, say, here are some of the side effects. Let me know, and we can find different things to give you because there's so many good drugs available. Okay. Let's change this topic a little bit, but not much. Let's talk a little bit about testosterone and the effects on the heart and atherosclerosis. Uh, we're seeing more patients who are being prescribed testosterone. Um, what, what does that do to your concern about uh, coronary disease, atherosclerosis, mm -hmm. yeah. peripheral vascular disease? Yeah, that's a very good question. That the, uh, the FDA got concerned about this too because first we know that if your testosterone levels are lower, your risk for heart disease is higher. So it's kind of similar to the estrogen story. Mm -hmm. But just like estrogens, they've shown that giving estrogen replacement doesn't necessarily help. The testosterone actually seemed to cause maybe more problems in terms of coronary events. Uh, so one study that came out a few years ago was mainly to give men testosterone to help their activity, help their strength. And the endpoints were to weight lift and walk upstairs fast. But they found that they actually had more angina because it got them more active. Oh. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. you have to you know, warn a patient when you start them on testosterone, you, know, you may become more active, you may uh, do more things, you may have more chest discomfort. So um, fast forward, the FDA actually was concerned enough about this. They had a, a big uh, group come together a few years ago and looked at all the data and found that actually it did not appear that testosterone causes increased cardiovascular events, heart attacks, strokes, uh, you know, need for uh, stents or bypass. In fact, now a recent study uh, from Kaiser, very large, uh, you know, thousands of patients over time, starting men on testosterone actually led to lower event rates in the long run. Mm -hmm. So it's not, uh, we're not concerned about it in terms of l increasing events. We are concerned about it maybe increasing their symptoms some, so you have to warn patients or you know, make sure that they're aware of that. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, 
Erectile dysfunction, especially when it occurs in a relatively young male, can be a uh, can be a predictor of more serious problems, coronary disease, cerebrovascular disease, and uh, we should be looking for that. Without a doubt. And the younger and the more severe the erectile dysfunction, the more we should be following up on it. Okay. We've been talking about erectile dysfunction and cardiovascular disease with Dr. Stephen Kopetsky, a preventive cardiologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Thanks for your time, Steve. Thanks for having me, Daryl. Today's episode was sponsored by Mayo Clinic's second annual ECG and Heart Rhythm Basics and Beyond course, March 27th through the 31st of 2019 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Register today at ce.mayo.edu. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week. Thank you.